Hello and welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is where we talk about money, investing and all things personal finance. I'm your host, Peter Kamalafe, and it is my mission to help you make the best financial decisions possible. Now, with living costs continuing to rise, Money Hub on a mission to engage and empower its customers to take control of their finances and improve their financial wellness. Money Hub provides a central space to see all your accounts and assets so you know exactly what's coming in and exactly what's going out. You can connect your current account credit cards, investments, pensions, savings, mortgages, and loans, all with ease, allowing you to have a clear view of all of your accounts within one platform. Once connected, Money Hub will help you learn to manage your money better with simple, actionable steps. You can analyze your spending, pay off your debt, see how your investments are performing, and also set yourself personal spending goals. If you're a homeowner, you can connect your property and see up-to-date property valuations. And if you rent, you can report your rent payments to Experian, giving your credit score a boost. Money Hub has been named in the FinTech Power 50 Trailblazer cohort and has the widest range of connections available in the UK. To get started, download the app today and take advantage of a free six-month trial with no automatic renewal, which means you get to choose whether you want to continue or not after trial. With Money Hub, small improvements lead to big achievements, whether it's paying off debt, boosting your savings, or monitoring your investment. Money Hub makes money management simple and convenient. You can download today on the Apple Store or Google Play. There is a link in the show notes. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. And again, thank you to Money Hub. And what we're going to be talking about today actually ties into the current circumstance that we're finding ourselves in at the moment. I mentioned on the podcast, I think about a week ago, that I was speaking to my therapist and she was asking me what to do about um, her energy prices. Her energy prices have gone up to £383 a month, which is a huge sum of money to be looking at covering just for your gas and electric. It then doesn't talk about fuel costs, food costs, and all the other things that we have to pay for. And so I think a lot of people who may be listening to this podcast, people that you know, more importantly, who are struggling with this right now, may be in a position where they are asking the inevitable question of, what do I do? How do I cope? Now, fortunately, um, I'm doing a little bit of work with Turn to Us at the moment to raise awareness. And that's going to be the topic of this, this podcast, essentially. We're going to talk about the cost of living crisis, some stats that Turn to Us are seeing with their campaign, and more importantly, some tips, some things that you can actually do in the real world to hopefully help you be a little bit more uh, proactive and help you anticipate and cover some of the increased costs that you're seeing right now. And to do so, I have Anna Stevenson from Turn To Us. Thank you so much uh, for being here this morning. Hello. How are things uh, for you and how are things at uh, Turn To Us? At Turn To Us, we're seeing extremely high demand and we're seeing people who have never previously needed to come to organisations like ours. So usually around half of our users are in work. At the moment, that is way above the, the normal levels. We've got around 70, 80% of our users are in work some days. Um, so we're seeing people who are really struggling, who haven't previously been struggling. Our helpline is saying that they've got people calling who are teachers, nurses, people in professional jobs who just cannot make the money stretch. Yeah. So give it a little bit of an introduction to you. What do you do at, at Turn To Us? I'm a welfare benefit specialist. 
so that means my role is about making sure that all our information about benefits is up-to-date, accurate, and usable, really usable, so that people in that moment of crisis where they might be really quite stressed and anxious can just get a simple-to-use like action plan. They know what to do, how to do it, um, and to try and reduce some of that stress of a really stressful situation. Right. And I, I know just looking at um, some of your stats here that Santos have been around for a very, very long time working in this space. I think it's 125 years. Is that right? That's right. We were founded 125 years ago to, um, to tackle poverty and we're still going. And we're, we're asking ourselves, we're asking the government, we're asking the rest of society how long we are going to carry on living with poverty in our society when we are such a rich country how long how many more people are we going to keep dragging into poverty and affecting their life chances affecting their health um affecting the whole way our society works and i know that you've got the, the campaign on at the moment which largely speaks to that specifically um and you've got some really really interesting stats here and you mentioned we're, we are one of the richest companies in the countries in the world, which is 100% true. But there's a stat here that says there are 14.4 million people living in, in poverty in the UK right now. Do you, do you envisage that number getting even more bigger, or bigger, I should say, particularly with everything that's going on right now? Yeah, I mean, it's inevitable that as the costs for people's essential living costs, things like food, fuel for their cars, fuel for their homes. As these costs rise and rise, people have less and less money to pay for everything else they need to pay for. And so, yeah, we are going to see significant increases in poverty unless we see really significant, meaningful action from the government really soon. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, and not to get political on this, because obviously... You know, we're at the junction at the moment where we're looking at a new uh, prime minister, potentially, and there are two candidates in there. Many will argue that the government has stepped in and provided a little bit of help, specifically around, obviously, the last round of um, energy price increases that we've seen. I'm not sure that it's going to be enough. Um, I'm really, really fearful, if I'm completely honest. Um, we've seen huge increases in the last April. I've seen my energy prices increase quite significantly every month, but we've got another round of energy prices going to be, that will be increasing come October. In the centre of your campaign, I mean, I guess as a charity, you're not going to be looking at the political side of things, but where do you focus most of your energy in terms of the work that you're actually doing? So, I mean, yeah, these these extra the extra money that was put in, we did some research into what impact that's going to have. Um, many of our users told us that that's going to be gone in about five weeks because their essential mm -hmm. living costs are so far above their incomes. So this money is going into people's accounts roundabout now. It's probably already gone into the accounts most people are entitled to it. And that's going to be gone way before the uh, way before the price rises really hit. Mm. It's interesting, really, because then, obviously, I talk a lot about money management, all that kind of stuff. And I think Martin Lewis said this best, you know... <laughs> there's only so much you can start to kind of like cut back and discard from your monthly spend and you get to a point where 
it really isn't sustainable anymore because there's only so much you can actually cut. And so when you get to that juncture, I think a lot of people will be struggling with this notion of, okay, so what else do I actually do? And when you come to the end of the road of being able to cut things, I guess it becomes really, really frustrating. And uh, I don't know. I mean, there's the, I know that you do um, at Turn to Us, you have a look at some of the stats around um, people going into poverty and food bank usage and stuff. Have you seen a massive increase in that recently? Yeah, food bank use is, is way, way up. Um, food banks are also complaining that their donations are down because as people find that their spending's more squeezed, they don't have the money to to donate to the food bank as they used to. So that whole sector is struggling at the moment. And it's a sector that we simply should never have had in the UK. It it did not exist before 2010. We have seen very large amounts of money taken out of the welfare system over the past 12 years. And in response, the charity sector has stepped up as best it can. But when people are relying on handouts of food, instead of having the money they need to just live a dignified life, they are constantly on the verge of crisis. Yeah. I mean, there was a, there's one little stat here that you have here um, that basically alludes to, to the fact that the significant shortfall in people's incomes to pay vital essentials like food means that most recipients in the first installment of the £650 announced in the cost of living uh, rescue package, um, which was expected on Tuesday, Thursday the 14th or so, you said, you've already mentioned this, will be, will be used up in five weeks. So with wealth welfare... I mean, this is the argument most people have. You've got welfare, then obviously you've got the government handouts and stuff like that that come in. There's still a huge gap to to essentially breach. How do you fill that gap in what you're doing? I mean, obviously the welfare system is is there. We know that according to the stats, there are billions that are left unclaimed every single year within the welfare structure across different benefits. How can people potentially cover the gap, the void that is left? Because energy costs, fuel costs, food costs are taking up so much more of, of their of their income. Absolutely. So at Turn to Us, we help people to understand what their entitlement to benefits is. They can maximise their income as far as they can. We give out grants ourselves and we also help people to find charities that give out grants. Now, this idea of grants might be a little bit new, a little bit strange. Basically, there are huge numbers of charities in the UK that give grants, gifts of money or gifts of um, products or services to people who meet their criteria. Mm -hmm. And these criteria can be very wide, they can be very narrow. A lot of these are relatively old, they might have been set up even hundreds of years ago, and they've just been sort of chugging along, giving little bits of fuel grants to people. Um, but it can be very difficult for the charities who want to give the grants to find the people they want to give the grants to. So mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. we do is we provide a, a search tool that matches, that helps you to match your characteristics to charities that support people like you. Um, and like I say, there really are very, very large numbers of these charities. Um, and they give out sometimes very small grants, sometimes very large grants. It's a hugely diverse sector. Why, why do you think it's, it's a challenge to find the people to give the grant to? Because you would think that if people were aware that there is a grant that they might be eligible for, they could get that you would have people be like, oh, I'm going to apply for that. Why do you think it's hard or it has been hard to 
to finding people to give it to. You've put your thumb on it with aware. So a lot of these charities are really small. So, um, you know, there's one in the village where I live, actually, that's run by a group of five or six trustees. They don't have any marketing budget. Um, They don't necessarily move in the same social circles as the people that they're wanting to give the grants to. So Mm -hmm. getting that information out to the people they want to give grants to, to please apply for a grant is Mm. actually quite difficult for them. Um, It is, it is all about awareness. People simply don't know that these exist to even look for them, let alone apply for them. Yeah. That's interesting because I don't think that I would, I would be aware of any local grants close to where I live unless I saw it on social media or I don't know, I saw it on YouTube in some way, shape or form, or someone I know told me about it. And I think you're right. The awareness is probably the biggest thing. And that's interesting really, because I'm not sure that people would naturally Google um, what grants might be able to help me with the cost of living crisis. But then again, if they haven't got any marketing budget, how do you rank on Google? for that kind of stuff as well. So I, I suppose it's yeah. a bit of a, a vicious cycle of awareness, a isn't it? Well, aha, uh-huh, exactly, exactly that. So yeah. yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? I know that it, there's, there's a stat here that says in the last year, 2 million people completed their benefits calculation via turn to us benefits calculator. Um, and you're saying that after completing a benefits calculation online, at least 224,000 people claim new benefits in the past financial year. That's 60 a day. I mean, that's a pretty... That's a pretty staggering number. It is. It's a lot of people. Basically, benefits are very underclaimed, um, and they're particularly underclaimed by people who just assume they won't be eligible. Um, hmm. That tends to be people who are in work. Um, the people don't even think to ask if they're entitled to benefits, and so they don't get any. Um, yeah, there's a lot of benefits go underclaimed. On average, we think that people who use our benefit calculator and use our benefit calculator and make a claim go on to be about five thousand two hundred pounds a year better off. So, oh wow, okay, it's quite a lot of money. It's quite a lot, yeah. It makes a massive difference actually, because what's that? That's what is that per per month? So that's going to be around about four hundred thirty three pounds difference per month, which if your energy bills increase quite significantly, it might actually just cover that and again, fill the void that we're, that we're talking about here. But yeah. why do you think that people just assume that oh, I'm not going to be eligible for that, so I'm not going to bother looking to see whether I am? Is it pure? Because I thought that it was just the fact that people may think, well, I earn this much, so surely I'm outside the benefit threshold. Is, is that right? Was there more to it? There's definitely some some aspect of that. There actually isn't a benefits threshold. Um, everyone has their own personal benefits thresh- threshold, depending on exactly mm-hmm. their circumstance. And we can get into that in a bit more detail um, later on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of people just assume that benefits aren't for people who are working. Increasingly, that's not the case, as the government is very keen to make sure that work pays. And so what that has led to is a benefit system that is supporting actually quite a lot of people in work. So uh, around half of people on universal credit are in work of some kind. Um, Obviously, for some of those, that might be, you know, relatively low hours, relatively low wages. But you can can see people with 
children and expensive housing costs who are getting an amount of top up on universal credit, even when they're earning sort of, you know, median income or above. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely that assumption that people just don't think to ask or don't think the benefits are for people like them. You know, there is a lot of stigmatization of people who claim benefits. Hmm. Uh, this sort of really old fashioned, uncomfortable idea that, that, you know, we saw those terrible um, TV shows like Benefit Street. That yeah, yeah. People who claim benefits are like othered. Um, and again, that really isn't the case that, Lots and lots of working people need a top on, up on their incomes because wages have not kept uh, pace with rising prices for yeah. a long time, ever since the financial crisis. So, yeah, working people's incomes have been more and more squeezed, and a lot of people do need a little bit of a top up. There is also a, a hassle factor that people, you know, even if they might think about it, go, oh, it's going to be a lot of trouble. Too I'll much just, work. I'll just, yeah, not bother. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, 100%. <laughs> and, you know, I I get that. I'm putting off doing some banking stuff that I know I need to do and it's costing me money, but <laughs> whoever wants to sit down and spend time looking over their finances. But um, probably, probably people who listen to this podcast, hopefully. Um, yeah, I mean, it is interesting <laughs> that you mentioned the whole hassle issue because I think... It's one of those situations where we get so busy with work, kids, family, and all this other stuff that happens that we know that there's something we need to pay attention to. And it's like, okay, I'll do that next week. And the next week rolls around, something else popped up, then it's thrown back again to the following week. And when you finally get down to it, it's kind of like, okay, now you've got to sit down for what might be 15, 20 minutes, half an hour. And it's like, the kids are running right around the house. You've got X, Y, Z to do. And it's like, mm, I don't really want to spend half an hour on this particular thing. And it's a really, really good point that you actually make there because I think the procrastination sometimes in situations like this, particularly when it comes to finances, is really, really hard um, because I think you you hit the nail on the head that sometimes people just don't, they don't feel there's a stigma around benefits like oh my god no i'm an adult i should be able to stand on my own two feet that kind of thing why should i go and why should i have to be reduced to going on benefits or asking for help i think we still have a little bit of that mentality um in society and i I don't think it's it's justified really to be fair i never think that asking for help is a sign of weakness of anything it's uh it shows that you're aware of the current situation and i think it's i personally think it's an element of actual strength where you're saying you know what I know that there's something that I'm struggling with. What help can I get? Back to awareness. What help can I get? And actually being proactive with it as well. Absolutely. The way I think about it, it's just like the NHS. You know, we don't want people in our society to be ill and unable to address it. In the same way, we've made a decision as a society that we don't want people to be um struggling so much with money that they cannot get by and we've put mm-hmm. in a system and neither system's perfect you know there's problems in the nhs there's problems mm-hmm. in the benefit system but they are there because this is the society we aspire to be yeah 100 percent. so what do you find are some of the benefits that would be beneficial for people to start having a look at you've mentioned universal credit there a couple of times um what are the key things that people need to know about universal credit. Because I think sometimes universal credit 
can be very, very confusing for people and steeped in a lot of, I guess, mystique. So how does it actually work and why should people maybe consider that as one of the core of uh, options? So the way universal credit works, as long as you don't look too much into the details, it's actually pretty simple. Um, there are various elements they're sort of lumps of money that are all added up. So if you're a single person, you get this amount of money. And if you're a single person with children, you get this amount of money plus this amount for your children. If you're a single person with children and rent, you get this amount as a single person, this amount for your children, this amount for your rent. And it all adds up to your maximum universal credit. There's different elements for people who are carers, people who are disabled, all these things. Um, so that's your maximum universal credit. And from that, you get deductions. Um, the big deduction to think about is deductions for wages. So for every pound you earn, your universal credit goes down by 55 pence. Um, okay, yep. There's some, for people with children, there's an amount you can earn before your universal credit starts to go down at all. Like, sort of like how the tax-free allowance works the tax. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yep. Um, and then at the end of this, you add up all your elements, you take off all your deductions, and you end up with your total UC entitlement. So, you know, it's not it's not hugely complicated. Working out some of the elements can be a bit tricky, but that's why we provide a benefits calculator. So it takes about 10 minutes to do. You put all your details into our calculator, and it'll work out what benefits you can get, how much, and tell you how to claim them. So it's, you know, it's pretty simple. Um, because universal credit is based on your individual household circumstances, you can potentially get two households who think that they're very similar, but who get very different amounts of universal credit. So, you know, we've got this single person with two children and rent and another single person with two children and rent. And they look at their universal credits and they're like, hang on, how come she's getting like £500 a month more than I get? That's mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. fair. Um, that is partly because it's based on um, the average, well, below average, the the 30% rent amounts for your area. So okay. perhaps the person who gets £500 less is up in Northumberland or somewhere where rents are quite cheap. And the mm -hmm. person who gets more is down in London where rents are really quite expensive. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, yep. So you get these, you get these differences and differences that people might not really have twigged, like perhaps... Perhaps both of these households have one child who's disabled, but one of the households has got on and claimed the disability benefit for the child, and the other household doesn't know about disability mm -hmm, benefits mm -hmm. for children. And so the household who's claimed the disability benefit for the ch child is getting a whole lot of extra money to support them with the child's disability, and the other household doesn't know about that. So it's, it is all based on your personal circumstances. The other thing that that means is that there is no cutoff amount. So you can be potentially earning a really high salary, but have really, really high living costs, lots of children, and so still get a top up of universal credit. And it helps with childcare. And obviously childcare is a lot of money for a lot it's of a people. It's cost. more than their rent yeah. or their mortgage. And so that extra money that gets put on for childcare might well be getting paid again even though you're on really quite a high salary i think what you've just mentioned there though is it's really important for people to note because i i have definitely spoken to a couple of my friends who who are 
probably in the 50,000, 60,000 range per year. And they're just like, no, I'm, I'm never going to get it. I own too much. And what you just said there is actually quite powerful. It doesn't matter what the salary is. What you're essentially saying is it's more about what your outgoings are and the costs are to you, particularly when it comes to things like childcare and stuff. Yeah, it's not all your outgoings. So, you know, universal credit does not care how much child maintenance you're paying. That's a that's mm-hmm. a common one that people claim, complain about. It doesn't care how much your fuel is to get to work. It doesn't care how much your gas bill is. Um, it is a set of costs that the government has determined. They don't mm-hmm. really bear much relationship to individual households' actual outgoings. But all the same... Um, you know, a household with higher outgoings might well be a household that has mm-hmm. lots of children in expensive childcare. Yeah. So what you're basically saying is that the government is essentially kind of, I guess, trying to estimate, for example, what rents would be across different areas of the country and apply something, I guess, consumerate to that as the method or the method mechanism, the calculation to what people might be eligible for roughly. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, a little bit. So the thing with rent is it's a it's a cap. So the government's sort of saying, we'll help you with your rent, but we're not going crazy. We're not mm-hmm. going to help you rent a mansion with a swimming pool. You're, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're a single adult. Um, we think you can get by in a in a place that costs about this much. Mm. As long as it's um, reasonable, basically. It's not a single lad in like a, a mansion on a Lamborghini outside. It's, you know, a single lad with maybe a one-bedroom flat or something like that. That's, I guess, yeah. in the realms of, of norm- normality. Yeah, just... Just how reasonable that is depends on who you ask, because these amounts are not always um, uprated when rent amounts change. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, at the point where we went into the pandemic, they had fallen way, way behind. They hadn't been uh, changed in quite a long time. As one of the government's responses to the pandemic, one that's actually been really undernoted because it was a really big, expensive intervention, they very quickly re-rated all those to 30%, the 30% mark of average rents in, in each area, and then didn't uprate them again since. So we'll, you know, it's better than it was, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, so on universal credit, it does sound like it's a little complex, but I think the beauty of what we're talking about here is the fact that if you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, maybe I should go and check it out, it's not something that you have to worry about the detail for. All they need to do is go onto the calculator and the calculator will do all of the heavy lifting and say, look, we think that this, this, this might apply. And it then signposts you on how you actually go and apply for those benefits. Is that right? Absolutely. And we'll show you how it works, how we worked it out. So then if you do go on to apply for universal credit and you get your first statement back and you're like, oh, that doesn't really match what I was expecting to get, you can go back to your result and you can look at how we worked it out, compare it to the statement and say, oh, I can see what's happened here. They've missed off my rent or they're using a different amount of income compared to what I actually earned. Mm-hmm. Um so it's it's quite easy for you then to have the information you need if something does go wrong. Okay, great. And what happens if someone wants to um, switch between um, tax credits and universal benefit, uh, universal credits? How does that how does that work in this instance? So this is something you need to think quite carefully about. Don't just jump in with both feet. Um, tax credits is part of the all benefit system that is being replaced by universal credit. Um, 
some households on tax credits will be better off on universal credit and some won't. There is no blanket rule that I can just say you'll be better off on one than the other. Mm -hmm. You need to check. You need to also have a think about how it's going to affect your household's own budgeting because tax credits is not paid in quite the same way as universal credit. So the first simple one, universal credits paid monthly, tax credits is paid four weekly. Mm -hmm. If you're used to budgeting four weekly and you're suddenly dealing with the monthly payment, is that going to screw things up? What do you need to put in place to handle mm -hmm. that? Um, tax credits is paid as a sort of consistent amount across the year. If you're someone whose income goes up and down and up and down, maybe you're self-employed or you're a term time worker like a teaching assistant, um, what you're going to find is that your universal credit goes up and down and up and down. So if you're used to having that consistent amount of tax credits, you're like, no matter what I earn, I know I've got this much. Mm -hmm. Again, universal credit is going to be different for your budget. You need to think about how that's going to affect you, perhaps draw up a new budget. Um, there's some extra things to think about if you've got savings. So tax credits doesn't care about your savings. Universal credit does. Um, so if you've got more than £6,000, then you'll have deductions from mm -hmm. universal credit for your savings. If you've got more than 16000 you won't be entitled to any universal credit at all. So if you're on tax credits and you're saving for a house, maybe stay on tax credits. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people will be thinking, well, that's not an option because tax credits are getting replaced. Um, congratulations, you've been reading the news. Yes, tax credits are getting replaced and the government's intention is that everyone will be moved over to universal credit by 2024. But if you're moved, rather than choosing to claim universal credit, if you're moved onto universal credit, you get protections. Okay. If you just choose to move onto universal credit, you don't get any protections. Okay, so that's a really, really key consideration to bear in mind, depending on what your circumstances are, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a really, really key thing. And again, it's making sure that you're trying to cover most of those bases. But I would imagine you guys at Turn to Us will help with helping people understand the pros and the cons of, of moving over from tax credits to universal credit. Yeah, absolutely. So as a first step, do a calculation and just see how much better off you'll be. Because that's, you know, that's a big part of if you're only going to be £10 a month better off and it's going to mm -hmm. absolutely mess up your budget, maybe you don't want to do it. If you're going to be hundreds of pounds better off, maybe it's worth taking the time to sit down and, and write your new budget. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a, you know, that exactly what numbers you're dealing with is a key part of that consideration. Um, and then from there, you'll get to, you go through, we'll, you go through the calculator, we'll ask you lots of questions, and then you'll get to a screen where we tell you what benefits you're entitled to, how much, and from there we'll give you lots of other information about other things you need to think about when you're making that decision on whether or not you want to switch. Great. So we haven't talked a little bit about childcare before. Um, on the childcare schemes, there's a stat here that says that $2.4 billion um, government underspend happened within that scheme. How does it actually work and how can people actually benefit from the child care schemes that are out there at the moment? So 
childcare at the moment is a bit of a, a policy mess. You've got lots of different childcare schemes trying to do lots of different things. It's partly devolved, so you've got slightly different schemes in Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, England. Mm-hmm. It is a mess. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie about that. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that there isn't help for you. Um, you've got to weigh up all your options, think about what's going to be the best option for you. So the first one to think about is just the free childcare hours and take up on them is pretty high. So I'm not going to talk about that in a lot of detail, but there are free childcare hours for children age two and three. Um, The schemes are a little bit different in different areas of the UK, but just talk to your local council about what free childcare schemes are available. It's the free childcare that is, is the the funding for the government on that is so low that lots of nurseries are charging top-up fees and things like that. So a free 30 free hours, which is, you know, the government headline, it's not 30 hours, and a lot of the case it's not free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it might well save you some money. Um, as well as those free childcare hours, there are also schemes to help with paying for childcare. So if you're already on tax credits, you might well be getting help with childcare through your tax credits. But people who aren't already getting that help can't now start to claim it unless, you know, unless they're already on tax credits and then they start putting their child in childcare. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm not going to talk about that in too much detail. The other schemes that are still on the table that people can access, we've got on the one hand universal credit and on the other hand the tax-free childcare scheme. Mm -hmm. Universal credit, um, childcare is included as one of your elements, but it is um, dwindled away by your earnings. So do a calculation and see how much help you'd be able to get through universal credit. Um, And, you know, if you just want to think about that as your childcare help, sure, go ahead and do so. the other big scheme that's available is the tax-free childcare scheme, mm-hmm. and this is the one that is spectacularly underclaimed. This is the this is the two point four billion okay. still on the table. Yep. Um, HMRC thinks that only about one in five eligible households are currently claiming this. Okay, so the tax-free childcare scheme um, pays twenty percent towards your childcare, though it is subject to a cap. But in a lot of cases, that's going to mean about £2,000 a year extra help that you're not currently getting. It is really worth checking. So did but you say that like was, that say, was 3%, me... did you say, that they paid towards the childcare? 20. 20. Oh, 20. Okay, so quite a significant yeah. amount. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a big it's a big sum of money. Um, it's very, very much worth claiming. Um, there are some indications that part of why people don't claim is that it is a bit of a hassle and people do drop off the scheme like i say it's two thousand pounds a year though so Mm -hmm. it's definitely worth putting those reminders in your calendar filling out the forms two thousand pounds a year it's a small holiday isn't it it's it is yeah it's it's a meaningful amount of money to bring back into your household's um pot that you can use for spending yeah um but like I say, do make sure you compare whether that scheme is going to leave you better off than universal credit because you can't claim both at once. You've got to pick between the schemes. And 
in in some cases you'll be better off getting the universal credit which can pay as much as 85 percent of your childcare. Um, so have a look see how much you get on a universal credit claim compare it to how much you get on a tax-free childcare claim and make your choice from that make sure you've got all the information before you take your choice 100 percent. so there's lots and lots of uh, options there um are there any other add-ons that you would have on that a lot of people talk about free school meals that kind of stuff is there anything else that people can utilize there's loads of different again they're slightly patchy you've got to be quite clued up to find all the different help you're entitled to but basically for quite a lot of these schemes as soon as you get any amount of a means tested benefit like universal credit since you're getting any amount of that they're like oh we recognize you as one of the customers we want to give extra support to okay so if you do the calculation and it turns out you're entitled to some universal credit but it's only quite a small amount and we've not got this tricky issue of you deciding whether to switch whether or not to switch from tax credits this is just someone who is brand new to the benefit systems never claimed anything and is just checking it out you think oh it's a small amount it's going to be hassle should i bother make sure you're factoring in that that small amount may also open up a whole lot of other doors to things like discounts on your water extra help on your winter fuel bill um you know there's lots of these different schemes there's social tariffs of broadband so it's worth factoring that in when you're making the decision whether or not to claim universal credit um brilliant okay i mean there's quite a lot that we've actually covered there and i think if you're listening to this you may have this overwhelming feeling of oh my god this is way too much and it's going to be way too much hassle you know just to reiterate again that turn to us will do a lot of the work in in the processing of this kind of stuff in terms of you know there's nothing better than you not having to weed through or try to see the wood through the trees and being told right if you do this for 10 minutes this is what you're likely going to be eligible for this is how you go about and do it. So the heavy lifting is going to be taken care of by turn to us. I guess the biggest call to action that I'm going to have for you guys listen to this is just go to the website and complete the benefits calculator and see what you're eligible for. And yes, you may have to be a little proactive in your approach because it is going to take a little bit of time. You need to dedicate a little bit of time here. But as Anna's already explained there, if you can get, you know, £2,000 contribution towards things like childcare costs, it's a huge amount of money. You'll make a massive, massive difference, particularly with everything that's going on right now. We've spoken about the void, you know, energy prices, fuel prices, squeezing people. If you, you know, people are who have, you know, been lucky enough to get onto a mortgage may have seen, you know, interest rate rises move up their mortgage payments even more over the last six months. You know, every little bit is really going to help now. So, just being able to go onto a calculator, go onto a website and get the help that you need uh, is really, really important. Just try and be proactive with this. That's that's going to be my biggest piece of advice for this episode. Be proactive. We are currently in July. We know that there are going to be further energy price increases come October. And right off the back of October, we're entering November, which means we're going to be starting to get into colder climates. Now, the issue that we have here is if we have a particularly cold few months through November, December, January, February next year, 
it is likely that you're going to be using more gas to heat your home, which means that your price, the cost of your gas and electric could spiral. So being really proactive is very, very important. Allocate some time in your diary. It could be on a Saturday morning, a Sunday morning, a Monday night, right? If it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes here and there, allocate that time and try and tackle this head on. And you can do it all in one go, or you might say, actually, you know what? It might be a series of 10 minutes, 15 minutes every day of the week until it's sorted. But please be proactive. The, the last thing that you want to happen is we get to October, the increase is a little bit more than we expected. Then all of a sudden, we're now thinking, what do we need to do in the moment? And I don't know about you, but my biggest concern is that we're looking only towards October right now. Winter is coming, like I've already mentioned. But next year, into 2023, the energy caps are still going to be reviewed. And God forbid we see further energy price increases through 2023, because then the question is going to become, what happens? How do we, in, how, what, how, what does the government do? Do they intervene? Do they not intervene? What I'm trying to say here is there's help out there, which is the reason why Anna's on the show and I'm doing work with Return to Us. Um, please be proactive. Don't feel ashamed for the fact that you have to go onto a benefits calculator to see what you're entitled to. The key word here is you're entitled to it. And I don't know whether you would agree with that, Anna, um, as to the fact that people are entitled to this money. So it's your entitlement to claim it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I got into doing this work because I was so um, cross at how hard it is for people to understand their rights and access them and enforce them. And yeah, this people have an entitlement to this money. It is absolutely their right to claim it. And if they're entitled to it, they should get on and do so. 100%. 100%. So look, there are going to be a ton of links in the show notes that will link you to turn to us and a lot of things that we've spoken about in, in today's episode. We will be doing some further episodes with the likes of Anna and, and the guys that turn to us on the podcast in the coming few weeks. So stay tuned for this, but I hope that you found this useful. Um, if you do have questions, um, turn to us on Instagram. So there's Instagram account. Again, I will link all of it in the show notes. Feel free to ask questions. There are no such thing as stupid questions. You shouldn't feel ashamed. You shouldn't feel any certain way about having to ask these questions. If anything, it shows maturity and it shows awareness. And as I say on this, this podcast, money is a tool, life is for living. Sometimes we do need help. There's nothing wrong with getting a little bit of help, particularly when it's your entitlement. But thank you so much for to Anna for being here. Really do appreciate you spending your time uh, with us this Monday morning. Um, and guys, have an amazing week. I will speak to you next Monday. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.